and welcome to episode 49 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And we are one episode away from the big 5-0. Can you believe it? Nearly 50 episodes in. And thank you to those who sent in ideas for what we could do to celebrate episode 50. And I'm pleased to announce that next week we'll actually be using our 50th episode to answer a question that I've been getting asked more and more recently, which is how do you actually launch your own podcast? So next week, I'm going to be joined by three vegan podcasting rock stars to get their advice on not just launching your own podcast, but also their tips on keeping it going and keeping it fresh. So first, I'll be joined by the original vegan business podcaster, Katrina Fox from the Vegan Business Talk podcast, and also the new Conversations with Vegan Women Leaders podcast. And it's really exciting to have Katrina on because it was actually her podcast, Vegan Business Talk, that I binged listened to when Lisa and myself were first looking to launch our first vegan business, well before we had the idea for Vegan Business Tribe. And now we like to think that we can call Katrina a good friend. So it's just brilliant that she's going to be part of our Podcasting Legends panel. But we'll also be joined by Jim Moore from the very entertaining Bloody Vegans podcast, which is a podcast made by vegans for vegans and the veg curious. And the final member of our panel is Vegan Business Tribe member Hayley Aikins from the Motion Hatch podcast, which is a niche industry podcast that doesn't actually lead with veganism. But Hayley still manages to plant plenty of vegan seeds along the way. Now, All these podcast shows are well into triple figures with their episode counts, so I will be very much the baby of the group next week. But if you've been thinking about launching your own podcast, or you just want some tips from people who have put out hundreds of episodes to find out how they do it week in, week out, then it's going to be a special hour and a half episode where we come together to talk about all things vegan podcasting. So look out for that next week on episode 50. I could not be more excited. And as always, whenever we do a panel or an interview, we usually record a video version too and add that to the Vegan Business Tribe website. Because don't forget that if you're just listening to this podcast, then you are missing out on probably, gosh, 90% of everything that goes on at Vegan Business Tribe. So if you want to be part of our amazing community, Community of vegan business owners and vegan professionals and to get access to all our courses, our events and our networking, then go take a look at veganbusinesstribe.com and click on the big join button on the homepage because then you'll get to see everything that you get as a member. And it's through the support of our members that we can keep recording this podcast every week, keep putting together our courses and running our events and just 
everything else that we do to champion and support vegan business. So if you want to help us on our mission, then your support would really make a difference to a lot of other vegan businesses too. Now, this week, we've also got something a little bit different for you. Because can I just ask, have you ever thought about eating dog meat? And no, I don't mean meat that is fed to dogs, but meat made from dogs. Now, to most people, and that's not just vegans, but to most people, that is a horrific idea. But if those dogs are raised to be eaten and are said to be organically farmed and ethically slaughtered, then how is that different to eating a pig or a cow? So today, I'm bringing you a recording of an interview I did with Molly Elwood, who is the owner of Elwood's Organic Dog Meat, which is a small family farm in the US that produces meat from organically farmed dogs, mainly Labradors, but with some Spaniels and pit bulls thrown in too. Now, don't worry, because before you hit stop in utter disgust, Elwood's isn't a real farm. It is just a parody. But because of Molly's skill of mimicking the kinds of posts that animal farmers make on social media, a lot of people have been taken along for the ride. They truly believe that Elwoods is real. But behind Elwoods is an amazing vegan awareness campaign. And once these non-vegans, who were first outraged at the idea of a dog farm, have read to the end of her website, they then uncover the true message behind the site and are often left facing their own hypocrisy. Now, it's a great bit of vegan campaigning, but the reason I wanted to talk to Molly and bring her onto this podcast is because Elwoods has become a sensation on Facebook especially, picking up nearly 30,000 followers in just under two months since launching. And when Molly talks about how she's hit that number of followers, you realise that it's not down to clever tricks and tips. It's also not down to just spending all day, every day, pumping out content. Molly actually has a full-time job doing something completely unrelated. But it's because she's created something remarkable that once you find out about it, you just have to tell other people. And that should be at the centre of the success of any business. Okay, so we recorded this interview over Zoom. So if you want to watch the video version, then head over to the Vegan Business Tribe website and you'll find it in our latest content. And now, over to the interview. Every now and again at Vegan Business Tribe, we come across something that just makes our jaws drop. And we often talk about when you've got a vegan company, you need to have something remarkable about that business, something that will make people stop in their tracks and just make them share what you do with others. And today we've got just that because we're speaking with Molly Elwood. And Molly, you're the proprietor of Elwood's Organic Dog Meat on Facebook. And, and reading from your description... Elwood offer the most humane, sustainably raised dog meat. So meat mainly made from Labradors, but with the odd Spaniel thrown in. Um, and you produce and sell that locally to friends and neighbours. Or do you? Mm, on the first ask, I will say yes. On the second ask, I'll say read my webpage all the way to the bottom. There's a lot of information. 
We are two vegans talking to each other there. So obviously you don't actually do that. So just explain what Elwood's organic dog meat actually is. So what it is, is it's a website and elwooddogmeat.com. I have mimicked it. It is um, basically taken from other farmers' websites. I took the same language, swapped out the word dog. I put in some gorgeous photos of dogs. Um, but it's a journey from top to bottom where expecting expecting the reader to be like, what the heck am I looking at? Wait, this can't be right. Am I reading this right? Am I really reading this right? And at the very bottom, it's like, no, it's not real. Absolutely. And I know that Elwood's Organic Dog Meat, it isn't actually a business at all, but it, it, right. it is satirical. And you do put that right at the end of your description that uh, I think you actually put satirical probably or something like that there. But it has been set up to highlight that hypocrisy that, you know, we've all had to face of yeah. people, you know, being happy to eat the body of one species, but then just being outraged at the idea of eating the body of another more familiar one. But you currently have nearly 28,000 followers on Facebook. And that's quite an audience to have developed in a really short amount of time, because I think you actually only started this, uh, the Facebook page anyway, about a month and a half ago. Am I right? Right. It was a really rainy July. So I just built a website. As you do. So where did that idea come from? How did you actually start? Um, this is very silly. My, uh, my husband and I uh, have been debating about which vegan bumper sticker to put on our car. And he wants it to be extremely, you know, compelling. And it's got to hit all the things. And as we started listing out, we were going to make it ourselves. And it, the, the bumper sticker just got bigger and bigger. And finally, we were like, haha, what if it just said Elwood dog meat? And then that a little bumper sticker next to it that said, did this, you know, it's not real, but are you mad? Why? And then we're like, maybe we should have a website. So we just built the website. And after the website, we're like, maybe I should make a, you know, like Twitter and Facebook. But the whole goal was just for myself. I wanted a bumper sticker and a website and I wanted to drive around with it. That is amazing where that story's come from. And, and I think you mentioned it at the start, that once that people get to a certain point in looking into the company and the website and what you've uh, built, you do reveal that it's not real and it's a vegan campaign. And, and you've got links to lots of resources on there, haven't you? Right. Yeah. So what it is, is at the, at the very bottom, it says, you know, this isn't real, but imagine, imagine if it were, you know, that, that feeling you have, the, the, the philosophy is that I feel that most people are vegan inside. And I think that we have all been given, you know, we've all been taught to push those feelings down. And that's the, that's the message I try and communicate. Like if this, if this is the way you actually feel, and I get a lot of messages from very emotional people, many people are so angry, they cannot get to the bottom. They do not. I mean, I'd say, half, maybe, maybe a little less than half people cannot make it through. And I get lots of amazing, amazing messages um, where, and I have an auto response. It's like, read, just keep reading. And sometimes I send them a little sticker that's a dog reading a book. And I'm like, no, no, read, read, read. And they get there. And then they're like, I I'm shattered. I'm totally shattered. Where do I go next? And so I have a page of resources that is um, specifically, I chose sources that would be more, um, let you know, not from a vegan perspective, but you know, from news sources, from um, people really in the in um, America, people love the Humane Society, which is the um, I don't know if it's global. Um, so you know, somebody who's representing dogs and cats actually is telling you these facts as well. So, and then I took um, I really am a big fan of Earthling Ed's. Um, I think it's fifty arguments against vegan uh, for vegans, um, and I took it and I. Um, I linked to the top very prominently. This is inspired by him. And I took a lot of his arguments and just kind of rejiggered them to fit into a shorter 
um, space. So. Yeah. I, this is an absolutely amazing way to do activism. Um, you know, and, and we, we mentioned there, it is, it is a website and it's supported by all the social media on there. But I think the Facebook page especially, it's becoming my favourite thing on Facebook at the moment. And I would urge other people to go check it out also. But what I think is so brilliant is, especially on your Facebook posts and your social media posts, is that in essence, you are just replicating the exact posts that you'll see from any small family farm around the world. World, but you're replacing, um, you know, cows, pigs, and sheep with Labradors, Spaniels, and Bulldogs. Mm-hmm, exactly. I actually lift. Um, I it's a rabbit hole. I can't. I can't stop. I'm just. I'm obsessed with specific hashtags. I'm going to tell you right now. If you guys want to check out um, any any um, any farm hashtag farm wife, the the farm wife lifestyle. When you go down to specifically like pig farmers, it is. I basically copy paste and replace the words, shorten it a little bit. And, and it is there. It is theirs. Sometimes I'm hoping they'll see it because they'll go, wait, this sounds familiar. And it is amazing because it's not just the posts that you replicate. It's the images as well. You know, you, you've got these photos of, of the happy dogs in your case, but they'll be happy, you know, sheep or pigs on a farmer's things. Right. And then right next to that, you've got photos of cuts of meats and people eating burgers. And, and that's what people are getting outraged by. Yeah, it is. You know, what's funny is I was, I just found, you know, at the beginning I was, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have a big audience and I was just putting up dog photos or meat photos, but I found it's the two next to each other on Instagram. I started doing collages. So in oftentimes if I can, the perfect post is when I can get one that looks like the dog is looking at the meat. It's really good. You're going into so much detail there. And, and you just mentioned it as well, you know, um, when you're posting in the voice of Elwood's uh, organic farm, you know, you talk so much about how you love the animals and their welfare and how you look after the welfare. And that word welfare, it has been hijacked by animal agriculture because, you know, if we used that word in any other context, so if you were responsible for the welfare of a child, for example, and that ended with that child getting killed, you wouldn't really be able to claim that you did a good job with, with, with its welfare. No, not at all. Um, I, I think uh, that I think that's one of the powerful things about it. And it, what what actually makes it just really easy for me is I'm not making anything up. I don't I don't have to. And some people were saying, you know, I had I had a comment the other day where someone a vegan was asking me, you know, you should really focus on factory farms. You you know, which is also funny because I found out through a farmer's post where 98 in America, 98 percent of factory farms are family owned, which is also I was like, oh. Thanks for making that argument for me. Um, But at the same time is that even on a small scale, even if I just had a few backyard dogs, nobody wants that. Nobody, nobody is, nobody's happy about any aspect of it, even if it is the kindest, gentlest thing. And I think that's what's so um, exciting about this is it's just such a way of spelling it out down to the like, yeah, the bottom. Absolutely, it is. And, and it's interesting reading through the comments that you get on, on the social media, um, you know, because I, I think most people understand what you're actually doing and they actually try to join in the satire. So, you know, people have left you reviews for your meat, you know, which, which you don't actually sell. But, but how many people do you actually think? What sort of percentage do you think that Elwood's organic dog meat, how many people think it's actually a real farm? I, I would think maybe a quarter. I think that um, wow. based, on, based on the messages that I get, um, it, it, the, I have a con- open contact page that uh, I comb through, and uh, yeah, I would say it's about a quarter. And um, the the comments are just oh, what a riot! There, I 
I couldn't have, this wouldn't be anything without the vegan community. It is just, it's somebody it's like a, a clown car fire. I can't, you can't, you don't like the vegans are arguing with the meat eaters and they, they don't know whose side they're on and it's just chaos. And I love it. And watching, watching meat eaters stumble into this parallel universe. And they're like, what is going on? The, the vegans who keep it real, who follow it kind of follow the same, you know, kind of straight face thing ends up making it even so much more powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's the payoff sometimes as well. You know, when somebody falls for that trap and, you know, as, as ethical vegans ourselves, we're never wanting to necessarily trap and mislead people. But it does highlight that hypocrisy. And the wonderful thing, as you just said there, it is the vegans who follow the page who are almost waiting for people to make these comments, waiting for people to be horrified so that they can ask that question of what you'd be OK if this was a cow or a pig or a sheep. Right. And I think that that was one of the things that really was overwhelming at the very beginning is I would, you know, I'm like, am I going to have to quit my job? How am I going to manage this? And it's really nice seeing that the vegans are picking up the torch and they're also, um, you know, one of the things on my page is I, when I kind of talk about, I don't know how many vegans see this, but I talk about how I would like people to interact is like, as much as it is cruel and crass to be like dog meat, I'm actually wanting people to be nice. I think that like, you, we're presenting people with really horrible information that that is just shocking. These are these are people who are going through the vegan journey right now, and we need to be kind to them, and we need to not show them graphic a graphic photo of a cow and be like, "Is this what is this better?" Instead, the you know, talking talking people through it in so, in a gentle manner, I think, has been lovely to see. When I see other people doing that too, and um, yeah. It is. And some people forget that, you know, at the heart of veganism is compassion for all species. And that yeah. includes your own species as well. And I, yeah. I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget that. Especially, um, when it, especially when it's so fun and it's just chaos. And you're just like, I'm just happy. It's, trust me, it's really hard not to be sarcastic in my responses to people. I, oh, I wish I could. <laughs> well, I, but again, I mean, you've mentioned it already. I think one thing that makes it so authentic is the posts that you post. They are very real. And I think you you made one yesterday and it was about um, you got a phone call from, from a neighboring dog farm about their trailer overturning. For, I think you said full of fat pit bulls or something like that. <laughs> yes. and, and, and you use that post to say how great dog farmers are. And they're so ethical and moralistic because, you know, they're all helping each other out until three in the morning. And, and it's this kind of detail which makes a page just seem so real and, and, and as you said you're actually going and lifting those from real oh farmers pages you know what the worst part and i have to say because god here's the thing is i i know i i know these farmers these are farmers that i i've now i follow personally now and try and mine information from them um and god forbid she sees this but she's the same woman who was also barn caught on fire uh two years ago and she killed eighteen thousand pigs and she was like, oh, I have a post um, a few weeks ago about it where she was, you know, she was saying how much she built up again afterwards, you know, and she really, you know, she, she was very sad about the impact on her workers and, you know, but we rebuilt and it's, it's so, it's so strange to think that they, they, that's where they are. And that, and that is the story they also have to tell themselves. And that is all, I mean, I have, I also have compassion if I feel very nervous sometimes because I feel I am attacking specifically attacking family farms and meat farms, not, not vegetable farms, but, um, the fact that 
in order to live in the world, that is, those are the choices they have to make. These are the, these are the lines they have to tell themselves. These are the truth they have to live. And I wish they could see through, you know, through this lens that it's is not, it's not what they're telling themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is that disconnect. And as we say, you know, we've all been through that journey. To turn vegan, you have to face your own hypocrisy. And it's not easy. It, it is no. not easy at all. And that's why we always, as you were saying yourself, you know, we always need to approach this with compassion. Now, one thing I do want to ask about, though, because we, yeah. we are vegan business tribe. And now yeah, yeah. You, you, you have a pretend business. So this is actually quite interesting conversation to yeah, have. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but, but, but you've had the kind of growth, especially with your social media and especially your Facebook page, that any real business would die for so yeah. i have to ask just in a couple of months getting up to twenty thousand plus followers what have you actually done to build that following uh let's see um twitter facebook instagram um just it started out by you know creating my own posts i i took a lot of content from my website and i was just sharing it first you know as though i were sharing it um and then i uh started replying to people on Twitter. I liked, I like following vegan brands and meat brands specifically. You have to, I feel like it's the vegans that made this one happen. And so by finding vegan conversations and weighing in, um, and then, um, finding, <laughs> finding neat ones and sharing. And I also have my own personal Twitter account. So I shared it there and tried to, you know, get friends and friends and family to follow. Um, and then on same with Facebook was building the Facebook um, page and then interacting with people as as the account. Um, so I, I mean, I really I feel like it's kind of a fluke. I don't know. I wish I wish I had some magic, you know. And here's the thing: is I so I'm a I'm a copywriter in advertising. I'm not um, I'm not the social media person. And so I wish I keep wishing. I was like, man, if I could be two people and have a social media expert who could really explain what happened, maybe I could duplicate it. I don't well, it, it does come back to this idea of shareability. And I think mm -hmm. one thing that we talk about a lot at Vegan Business Tribe is that you need to have something remarkable about mm -hmm. a business or you need to have a mission. Because if you do, you then don't need to pay for Facebook advertising. You know, people will share what you are doing for free, which is how, I, you know, I came to find you. And you don't have to pay for magazine adverts. You know, magazines call you, people like us, you know, get in contact, wanting to actually share what you're doing. And, and that's what's missing from so many businesses, that they don't have that mission at the heart of what they're doing they don't have that remarkability but that's what you have uh, perhaps stumbled upon but that's what you've yeah. got with Elwoods yeah and one thing that I think that might be it might be important um is at the beginning um at the very beginning even on my website I had a chat button so I I could get live chats from people who were just like what the hell am I looking at pardon me and uh I would uh I I would just reply to people and then that like the fact that I was a real person made people more likely to interact with me and share with me um share my things and so same with Facebook having an open messaging thing setting it up so you have an auto reply that says you know gives more information that I have there's a FAQ set up so you can um put top 3 comments that people might ask like I'm an animal lover. I want to buy a t-shirt. I want to, those type of things. So you can, you can put up auto response for a lot, a lot of things, but also just checking in once a day and having those conversations. 
Yeah, and, and that's where social works, when people realise they're actually talking to a person, that there's a person behind the brand. And mm-hmm. I think too often we do try and post hiding away. You know, we, we do try and post it as if we are, our brand is, is the person rather than actually being someone real behind it as well. Yeah. What, what's interesting as well, though, is you are also on, you know, you've got the website, you're on Instagram and you're on Twitter, but the following on the other platforms hasn't taken off the same way it's taken off on Facebook. You know, have you any idea why that is? I think it's the shareability and I think it's the audience on Facebook. I think that Facebook audience is older. <laughs> and so I think that they're not, they're not as media savvy to figure out the mystery as quickly. And so they're mo- more likely to share it. Also, I think that the outrage sharing potential is higher on Facebook. And I, I mean, that's a big study is that Facebook is built off of outrage that their algorithm makes it so if you're mad, you're more likely to share. So I think that that's it. I also think that Twitter is, you know, Twitter is more critical, maybe more critical thinkers, more, um, I don't know. I, I think people interact with farms, even on those, those types of things. They're generally, there's not a lot of farmers on Facebook too. So this is more, this is where the farmers are to begin with, it, though. I think Instagram is growing, but I don't know it, it, the sharing factor of Instagram's kind of limited, though. I think that if I did reels and videos and things like that, I could do more. But I am one person with a job. Absolutely. That was interesting what you mentioned about Facebook, though, because I know when we do Facebook targeting and we talk to people about how to target vegan products on Facebook, one barrier you always come up against is if somebody comments a lot on vegan posts, then Facebook thinks that person is really interested in veganism. But it could just be somebody who hates veganism. And so, you know, every time they see something vegan, they're going on there and arguing. So quite often, if you use Facebook's tools to actually try and actually reach vegans you do end up with a lot of farmers you know coming onto the post and, yeah. and posting yeah so, so yeah. that's a really interesting thing thing to remember i mean do you get many farmers contacting you i had one a person i believe was from actually i was excited i think they were from tyson uh chicken and i was like this is this is great and what's great is then whatever they say can then be reused into a post because it's the same it's the same thing every single time of like yoink that's for the next that's for tomorrow they just keep giving you content so that's God, wonderful they can't they can't help themselves <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. So in terms of audience building, what a lot of people do, and, and they do this the wrong way around, is if they're launching a brand or a business, is they go and set up that brand or business first, and then they try to build the audience. And, and that's a really hard thing to try to do. But what you've done is you've built an audience first. So although Elwood's isn't actually a real business at the moment, have you got any plans for where you might take this next? Oh my God. I wish I had time to think about what I'd do next. I right. I mean, right now, the one thing that was fun because it it did start with a bumper sticker before I even had an audience, I made that bumper sticker <laughs> and I sell the bumper sticker on, on my website. And, um, and then I found that there's a website called bonfire. A lot of people it's in the U S I don't know if, if there's an equivalent other places. Um, so I've made t-shirts and it's great because they carry the stock that the price is a little higher, but you can just go in and design things. So I'm, I'm making tens of dollars selling t-shirts and, and, and bumper stickers, but I think that there's something bigger than that. And I don't know, I don't know quite what it is. And I want it, you know, I, I almost want this just to feed into itself. I want anything that, anything that comes out of it to go back into it, you know, um, you know, billboards or I keep thinking like a Banksy type installation where I could get a storefront, make a, make an arrangement with like the window replacer in that town. And then just keep putting up Elwood dog meat coming soon and wait for that window to get broken, putting it back. I don't know. It's, 
if anybody listening to this has any ideas on how I should, what I should do with it, please, my messages are open. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's the way that you do build a, a brand or a business. You build that audience and then you in, interact with that audience and you talk mm -hmm. to them because your audience will have all the answers you need um, just is, yeah. if, if, you, if you do engage with them. But it's interesting what you were saying about, you know, going actually onto the street with this. And if you look at what, you know, uh, vegan activist Joey Carbstrong has been doing, he's been handing out samples of Labrador meat. And it was actually just, just a meat replacement product, but he got some nice packaging made and, you know, with, with the pretend label stuck on it. So do you believe this page and your website and the social media is actually starting to make a difference is it giving people a tool for their activism it is um i have gotten many messages and it's, I, i've been screenshotting them all there's so many messages of people who have who are making the connection and who are who are it's almost like confessing to me they're like god i never thought about it like this you know please asking for tips asking for help asking for you know what do they do next and um whether it's the conversation that I have back and forth with someone or somebody's self-discovery, I think that it, this is such a, um, an amazing journey for someone to take on a, like a random Tuesday. They're like, I didn't, I mean, I guess that's how most of us, you know, went vegan too. one, one last piece of information and you're so, um, but one of the things that I kind of, um, I'm nervous about, about setting it free kind of in the wild like that is I think that it loses that gentle nature that I wanted to have. I wanted to, I want people to have this, this realization at home and I want them to turn to their spouse or their friend and say, I saw this thing and I am outraged. And now they have this conversation about it. I think removing vegans from the conversation is very powerful for them because it's a self-discovery as opposed to me telling them and them having to have that um, their defenses go up so fast. Like when we were talking about which bumper sticker to have, there's the bumper sticker of the dog and the, you know, the dog and the cow. And they say, you know, what's the difference when they can see up front the vegan agenda, they are able to um, armor themselves so much quicker. And I don't know how to do that in person as, you know, I, th I, th I think they, people would feel so affronted by it. Um, but at the same time, as I haven't watched the Carb Strong videos, and I would, I'm very interested to see how they turn out and if it's making a difference too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Molly, thank you so much for giving your time to talk to us today. And I would urge people to go and, especially your social media page, and especially on Facebook, just for the comments alone, you know, to mm -hmm. go and follow it. Just search for Elwood's Organic Dog Meat and it will be there at number one. And you've got a website too? What's, what's the website yeah, address? It's elwooddogmeat.com. And we're on Twitter at Elwood Dog Meat and Instagram at Elwood's Organic Dog because we got taken down a couple of times. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's brilliant. So uh, thank you uh, for that, Molly. And we'll be watching where you take this next. And I suspect those opportunities, they will continue to grow as your audience do too. So thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for having me, David. Hopefully you found that interview as interesting to listen to as I did to carry it out because Molly, she's an amazing person. And even though at the moment she only has a pretend business, she's doing something that many real businesses fail to do. And that's building an engaged audience and then figuring out just what it is that that audience actually wants. And that part about her audience actually doing a lot of the hard work for her, that's what happens when you build up your own tribe of people who are invested in your mission. Okay, so 
that is it for this episode. And as I said at the start, make sure that you do come back to celebrate episode 50 next week with our vegan podcasting rockstar panel to find out how to launch and run your own podcast. And it is genuinely going to be a brilliant session with some amazing guests. And also, if you want to help support the work that we do at Vegan Business Tribe, not just this podcast, but with all the work we do, supporting vegan businesses, then do go take a look at the website at veganbusinesstribe.com where you can join for just £12.99 a month, which, as I always say, that's about what it costs each month if you buy a cup of coffee a week from your local coffee shop. And if you have enjoyed this episode, and look, I know that you have because you're still here listening to the end, then please do consider giving us a five-star review if you're listening on something like iTunes, or at the very least, just hit subscribe or give us a thumbs up or whatever your platform allows you to do. Because all that interaction, it costs nothing but a moment of time, but it lets these podcast platforms know that people are enjoying listening to this podcast, and that means that they suggest us to more people. So, Thank you so much for your time. And make sure to go check out Elwood's Organic Dog Meat on Facebook and maybe even share their page with a few of your non-vegan friends just to see how outraged they are at the idea of eating dogs. And I will see you on the next one.